Scripture reveals that Lucifer was present alongside the angels at the creation of the heavens and the earth. He was in the Garden of Eden, blameless in his ways, while being adorned with every precious stone as the anointed cherub of Yahweh. Then iniquity was found in him, as he aspired to ascend into heaven to exalt his throne above the stars of God. The result was the removal of God's presence, casting the earth into utter darkness while being consumed by a universal flood. Join us now as we uncover the significant details of Scripture revealing the creation of hell before Adam. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Russick. You're listening to The Russick Outlook. Thank you so much for joining today. Uh, very excited for today's topic. It's, it's titled Hell Before Adam. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, it, once we start to break down the scriptures, we're going to find out that hell was, in fact, put in place before Adam, before the creation of man or the seven-day account of creation, as, as many people understand, whether you're Christian, Jewish, and I know a lot of other people you know, they've heard it, whether you believe it or not. Uh, this is the seven-day account of creation um, that, that I'm referring to. But I'm, I'm saying that this happened beforehand. And and we're going to look at a great number of scriptures that, that will reveal some things that I think will be a little bit of an eye-opener for you, if, if for nothing else. The other thing that we're going to explore, and, and this is something that's troubled me for many, many, many years as a Christian— what exactly happened uh, to cause this revolt, this revolution, if you will, in heaven where, you know, Satan is at war uh, with a third of his angels and, and the hosts of heaven? And, and quite honestly, if you look at it, if you are a Christian, you can, or even if you're not a Christian, I shouldn't even say it that way. If you're man or woman, you are caught in the middle of, of it. And if you're a Christian, you know, you're a little bit more, well, you should be much more aware of it. And perhaps even, you know, behind some some persecution or some attacks, because as we know, Jesus said, there will be trials and tribulations, but fear not, I have overcome the world. But I'm not going to break down the gospel, but I am going to break down some very interesting developments and, you know, maybe shift the paradigm a little bit to try to get a little bit of a better understanding as to what was going on, uh, because you know, true to God's word. I mean, it's just so insightful, so rich, so, so vast. Uh, it, it's, you know, without question, the most exciting book you could ever possibly imagine. Here I am umpteen years later. And, you know, I, I just, uh, and like so many of you out there, you read the scriptures and all of a sudden you've read something 10, 15 times. And it just, it, you know, you look at it and it sheds a new light or, you know, you, you, you're just looking at it through a different lens that you perhaps hadn't seen before. So, I, I think that we're going to encounter some of that today, so hopefully, uh, you know, you, you will enjoy this. Um, while I can, please, I'm going to grab your attention for a really quick second. Can I ask you to please hit the subscribe button uh, that's on your screen, or wherever, not on your screen, you'll see a graphic there, but hit the subscribe and the like button no matter what platform you're on, uh, whether you're on YouTube or the various podcast platforms or even on social media, if there's, you know, whatever you see. And, 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 and again, if you find this relevant, if you find this information valuable to you, please hit the share button, share with, you know, your friends or just share in general. Um, you know, and again, if you find this of value and hopefully you will, uh, you know, that, that's my hope and my expectation to 
bring about information that we can all kind of glean from and, and break down. Because as many times as I've said before, I am about the truth, getting to the truth, getting to the heart of the matter. And uh, in this case, you know, we're breaking down scripture. We're, and, and the reason I'm breaking down scripture here is I've, I've gone through many times before the validity, uh, you know, of God's word has been proven time and time and time and time again. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of times I will look in other areas outside of the Bible, but in this particular uh, um, sit down, we're going to specifically be looking at the word of God and be seeing some things that, again, I think you, you'll find interesting. So, and if you wouldn't mind, last last call, I promise, please join the Russick Outlook or sign sign up on the email list uh, by going to russickoutlook.com and, and, and there's a pop-up window right away. Just jump on our email list. We just alert you to new developments, new topics that are coming out. And there is something in the fall that I'm very excited about uh, that I'll be sharing with you only via email. So if you could, please you know, get on our email list. That'd be great. Uh, so let me just close or get into it, I should say. But I wanted, before I move on to the next slide, I wanted to read this scripture from Isaiah 14, 14 through 15. And it says, I will, and this is referring to Satan or uh, Lucifer at the time. Um, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And then the, the response is almost like a call and response pattern. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol. Sheol is an Old Testament word for, uh, for what we may refer to as hell. It will not be the lake of fire. Um, but to the lowest depths of the pit. Let, let, let's call it that way. It's, it's otherwise known as Tartarus, uh, you know, as, as far as the pit's concerned, and for other breakdowns into the different layers and, and variations of hell. Uh, you know, I, I've covered that a lot in the second coming and, and really kind of getting into the return of Jesus. But Sheol is, is the Hebrew word that refers to, for lack of a better term, I'm going to call that hell for now. So on that note, let's get this, let's get this going. So I mentioned in, in the prior broadcast where I said uh, earth before Adam, because I wanted to break down the, the first three uh, um, verses in, in the book of Genesis 1 through 3. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And um, that's very, very important because you know, the emphasis is that God created it, it's done, it, 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 it's past, it's perfection, it's God's creation. And we've shown you in the prior broadcast, and if you haven't heard it, it you know, I think you would find it interesting. It'll, it'll lay a good foundation for where we're going. Not necessary, but it will help. Um, we, we showed that the sons of God were literally on this earth. They were inhabiting the earth. They were reveling in the earth, uh, reveling in the glory of God. And then if you go to the second verse of Genesis, it says, now the earth was unformed and void. What do you mean void, unformed? Darkness and darkness was upon the face of the earth. And the reason, if you're following me on video, I highlight the word end because end means after something, something previously happened. So the earth was unformed and void and darkness was upon the face of the uh, face of the deep and the spirit of god hovered over the face of the waters and this is what i call lucifer's judgment and then verse 3 is and god said let there be light and there was light so the emphasis in the prior broadcast was the first two verses and we're going to concentrate a lot on what what 
uh, you know, what, I, what I'm calling here in the middle section, uh, Lucifer's judgment. So there's a very vast richness that's in these few tiny verses, but they are referred to in other areas of Scripture to help us understand and break down exactly what happened and what is really transpiring today. So I wanted to give you a little bit of a history lesson, uh, a brief overview, because everybody starts creation or starts the account of the world with creation. And that's natural. I get it. I understand it. So, you know, I've got a timeline going here for, uh, for you. If you're following me on video for our podcast listeners, I will describe it. If you get a chance, if you can jump on Russick Outlook or YouTube, you can see the video. And, you know, I, I, I think you, you, you would find it helpful. It's kind of a, a breakdown of some major events, major things that we know about uh, from, uh, from the uh, creation of Adam and Eve to uh, the birth of the church age, which is really right after the resurrection of Jesus Christ um, and the ascension into heaven. So, you know, I started with 4004 BC. The reason I do that is Usher is, is, is the book and the standard by which we go by. It's, uh, it's, it's a great book if you can get it. It's, it's the reference uh, for Schofield and so many other Bible scholars. Um, and, and, you know, these dates, I will say, you know, they're give or take five, ten years, maybe. You may find a few more, uh, you know, outside of that boundary. But by far, you know, just incredibly close. So I'm not going to say a precise but the reason I'm saying 4004 BC is because that is what uh, Schofield based upon that the birth of Jesus was actually 4 BC according to our calendar year and giving it that that reference. Uh, some people will put Jesus naturally as zero AD and you know which uh, would put um, the calendar at 4001, 4000 BC. Again, give or take a few years. But the interesting thing here is if you go uh, from the account of creation to Jesus, which we know is 4,000 years, it matches out exactly if you look at the genealogy outlined in uh, Luke chapter 3 or, or Matthew chapter 1. And I just wanted to give this brief overview because we're going, we're going to look at this, but I wanted to point out a couple things um, because I think it stands out to the, the veracity of Scripture. Um, you know, so I've got highlighted here in some uh, clip arts and, you know, uh, sin, the Yahweh pronounces Satan's death sentence, you know, Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall, uh, and you shall bruise his heel. So that was the first uh, word of prophecy that went out and what I call is Satan's death sentence. Then you have the fallen sons of God, the Nephilim, uh, then the wars of the Nephilim in 3550 BC. And I'm saying that that scripture does not indicate this. I'm, I'm getting that from the book of Enoch and some other things like Jubilees and, and uh, Jasher, uh, but mainly from Enoch. So, you know, that that's why I put that there, but it's not scripture. So I don't want to put anybody else off. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of people you're familiar with the genealogy from Adam to Noah. But I did want to point out, because I don't know why, it just it jumped out at me here that uh, Lamech, who is Noah's father, died at the age of 777. And then came the flood, which was, you know, basically 
uh, wiping out uh, everything in existence and starting over. So I thought, you know, that was interesting because seven being the number of perfection in the Bible and, and the number of completion. And I just found it very interesting that Lamech died at 777. So it goes on to Noah, the flood, Abraham. And I did point out something here that I I find interesting um, because so many people kind of poo-poo the idea of the flood and it can't be a global flood. And I did a, I did a teaching on this and there's so many different accounts of the flood, various civilizations far outside of the Bible. But what the reason I wanted to point this out is uh, archaeologists have discovered tablets uh, in, in ancient Sumeria, which is southern Babylonia or Iraq as we know it today, uh, with details of a global flood. And this is hundreds of years before Moses wrote the account in the book of Genesis. So, uh, you, you know, that just kind of stands out where people just go, oh, that's crazy. Well, I'm sorry, there are other civilizations even before Moses wrote it, because this was, you know, revealed to him from Holy Spirit, that, you know, again, it just kind of stands out to to the the integrity of God's word. So then I go forth and, and you know, right up leading up to Jesus, and I highlighted some things in here. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with uh, Daniel and the dreams and the visions there and, and the different animals that represented the empires. And so you had the Babylonian Empire and, and the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire. So I gave you a little bit of a yellow highlight there, um, just just to kind of point that out, as well as the degree of Xerxes who uh, restored and rebuilt Jerusalem. That falls in line specifically exactly as the book of Daniel outlines when we talk about the 62 plus 62 weeks of years plus seven weeks of years. And uh, then that falls in line exactly to the day that Jesus enters Jerusalem uh, on the mule as the, as the King of Kings. Um, so that's a side note, but again, just bearing out the integrity of God's word. The other thing I wanted to point out here is on the bottom, if you're following me, and I, I came across this as I was doing this research um, there's this scientist who broke down, uh, it's called, his name is Vince Farrell. He calls it the evolution handbook. Um, and he did a study on what it would take and what the population would be if evolution were true. And evolutionists have us, uh, um, a mankind of some form or another and, uh, being at, at, on the earth for a million years. And he did a study that if, we were here for a million years at a 0.01% annual increase, 0.01. The resulting population of Christ would, uh, at, by the time of Christ, meaning 4,000 years after what Adam to Jesus, would be two times 10 to the 43rd power. An analogy here is a thousand solar systems just like ours with nine planets could barely contain that population. And then I give you what the number is on the lower right, 10 to the 43rd power, and there's more numbers than I, 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 I'm going to elaborate here. It just goes on and on. And just keep in mind, if you're looking at this, it's two times that. So again, just bearing out the integrity of God's word, um, and, and, you know, the evolutionists are just, 
you know, it's just wrong. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a faith that defies any type of human logic. Uh, so I did want to point out these things. These, these are the highlights from Adam to Jesus, but we're going to start to look at before Adam. So I wanted to go to the beginning. Uh, let's start at the beginning, sure. Um, Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. I want to flip to John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So we know that the Word there, and it refers to him as the Word becoming flesh, that that's Jesus. And it says right there that in the beginning, he was with God. So I'm pointing out here, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were one from the beginning. Some people, you know, would, would, would like to elaborate on that. That's just not the case. John 1, 1, 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So from the very beginning, you had Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And when Genesis 1, 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, meaning Father, Son, Holy Spirit created the heaven and the earth. And, you know, we went through the last time uh, that the, the angels and the sons of God were there at this time. And, and, and I'll, actually, I'll show you. Jump down to the lower left, uh, Job 38, 4 through 7. And this is God talking to Job. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurement? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon him to where it's found to what to what where is foundation fastened or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So the morning stars and the sons of God all referring to angels. So God saying, where were you, man? You weren't there. Yeah, Job, you know, mankind was not present, but the sons of God, the angels of God were present, and, and they sang together at the creation, at the beginning, with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jump to verse 2, Genesis 1-2, now the earth was unformed and void, and this is what we talked about earlier, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. So something dramatic happened to cause this wonderful creation to, to the point where it says the earth became unformed and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So the deep waters. And we're gonna, so we're going to break that down. So this is the area that we're concentrating on in our timeline, what happened before that. I will say that we don't know the specific age of the church, of, of the, church, of the earth, and we're looking at what many would believe, and, and, and any person you know holding fast to the truth of the Bible would say that we're looking at seven thousand years uh, of of creation, and we are part of six thousand years, and that the seven thousandth year will be the millennial reign of Jesus on Earth. Um, different topic, and again, I've covered a lot of this, and there's plenty of good teachings out there and, and uh, you know, you can find that. But so this is a question mark. And the reason I want to point this out is 
This is something that some people will try to appease evolutionists with. They'll say, well, yeah, maybe it is millions of years or billions of years. Because remember, scientists now keep pushing the, the marker further and further away to the point where we're at, some would say, 20 billion years because the science just can't justify you know, what they originally thought. When I was growing up, I, you know, showing my age, I remember, you know, hearing 350, 400 million years, 500 million years. You know, now we're up to 15 to 20 billion years and they throw it around like it's nothing. So those are, you know, those are numbers we just don't know. However, we, you know, I'm going to break some things down uh, very shortly because I think the age of the earth is, is an important topic and we can get into that. I personally don't think there was more than a few thousand years between what happened to uh, to the creation of Adam and Eve, um, but we, you know I'm going to get into that another topic. And and but it's fair to say that we don't know. We don't know the specific answer to that. We don't know that exact answer. And I am not aware of Scripture revealing that. Um, but you know if I if I can be proven wrong in studies or somebody shows me otherwise, that's wonderful. All right, so, you know, that's kind of where we're at right now. So what I want to get to is the earth was unformed and void. Well, what exactly happened? What caused this? Now, in order to do that, I'm going to take a slight detour. Bear with me for a few moments. I promise you, you'll see where I'm going and why. I want to just take a moment and talk about classes of angels and or celestial beings. I want to first mention Gabriel. Gabriel is known as the messenger. He delivers God's message. Um, he was the one who, well, let, let me just show you here, Luke 1, 19. It says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Uh, Gabriel was the one who made the announcement to Mary that she will be pregnant with child and his name will be Jesus. And I, and I show you the scripture here. I, you know, if you're following me on video, fine. But again, you can find this in the first chapter of Luke where this is the beginning account where uh, the angel appears to Mary, the angel appears to uh, to Joseph. And, you know, for those of you who know the book of Daniel, uh, you know, we talked about the 70 weeks of Daniel earlier. It was Gabriel who broke that down. Gabriel who, uh, who, who you know, bought the, the, the meaning of that to the prophet Daniel and, and, and others were mentioned there. So, in, you know, we talked about the warfare in Daniel and whatnot. But anyway, here's an, here's an angel and he's a messenger. Not all are messengers, but here's an example of one. We have some other names of angels that I'm not going to get into. I'm just talking about classes or categories. If you veer to the right, I'm saying I'm showing you the archangel Michael, uh, Michael is the only archangel mentioned. He is the only archangel, as best I can tell, at least according to Scripture. And four times he is referenced, and it always starts with Michael, the archangel, the. It's not Mar Michael, archangel, because so many people say, oh, you know, they'll just throw around archangels like it's nothing. Um, I wanted to point out two Scriptures here, though, with him. Yet Michael, the archangel, and Jude 9, I'm sorry, in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, meaning Satan, but said, the Lord rebuke you. What's important here is was twofold if you're rebuking Satan. I, I love the fact that, you know, he, he calls upon the name of the Lord. <coughs> 
But what I want to get to here is Michael is not doing this in his own strength when confronting and dealing with Satan. And we know that he fights with Satan, but he is calling upon the power and the strength and the name and the word of God. Um, Revelation twelve seven and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, the dragon being Satan, and the and the dragon and his angels fought. So, my point here is that this is not something that Michael is taking on on himself. He is invoking the power and the word of God. I'm going to jump back to the left. Seraphim. I'm referencing here Isaiah 6, 2 through 3. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So I'm showing you a picture of what could possibly Something, you know, gives you a a fair illustration, I'll call it that. But six wings and two for flying, two for covering the face, two for covering the feet. And it's almost like he, they're in, in the presence of God and it's almost out of reverence for God, but they also sing. You know, I'm, I'm going to do you a favor and not sing, but for those of you who know, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Holy, holy. And that's why I'm not singing. Um, but but you get the idea. So this is the role of the seraphim, and we'll see some similarities and patterns uh, with the cherub, which I'll, I'll, I'll get to shortly. But so I'm starting to just kind of break this down, and believe me, we're we're going to land in a place that's going to be incredibly important to understand something here. So cherubim is what I was starting to reference uh, beforehand. We'll see some similarities with the seraphim, but. The cherubim, cherubim, I'm sorry, are what I would call the elite. So it's often associated with Yahweh's presence and classified among the angels. It is mentioned over 90 times in the Old Testament and once in the New Testament. They are primarily associated with with space. Um, it's, it's central to the presence of the tabernacle, Solomon's temple. I give you a bunch of scriptures here if you're following me on video. Uh, remember the two golden cherubim protected the Ark of the Covenant. They served as Yahweh's throne in the tabernacle. The two large wooden cherubim overlaid with gold covered the entrance to the temple sanctuary. First Kings 6.23, Genesis 3.24. They guard the entrance of the Garden of Eden. So they clearly have an incredibly important role. And again, they're mentioned throughout. Uh, the Old Testament refers to Yahweh as he who dwells above the cherubim. And it alludes to both the ark's representation of the cherubim and its symbolism of Yahweh's presence. So when you see that, you're, you, it's an indication of the presence of God is there or near. Um, they appear in, in, in two different contexts in the tabernacle, the cover of the Ark of the Covenant and the curtains of the tabernacle. So, you know, this just kind of goes on and on. And, and, and again, I've shown you, if you're following me on video, I've given you many other examples but I want to get into the book of Ezekiel. Uh, follow me here. The cherubim, which we will see in Ezekiel, describes different uh, significantly from those in the tabernacle and the temple. Uh, these creatures have four wings, faces, and arms, and they exhibit an erect human-like posture. 
unlike the static imagery of the temple and the tabernacle cherubim, these are described as living beings with supernatural characteristics. So, you know, I'm going to show you that we're going to see this in Revelation, we're going to see this in Ezekiel, we're going to see this in Isaiah. So these are a different class of cherubim, but they are called cherubim. Um, They are connected with chariot imagery. Uh, The living creatures he describes in Ezekiel 1 through 3 are not explicit as explicitly named as cherubim, but later on in the book, we see that they uh, they differ in form from those mentioned by former prophets, but they parallel in function, serving at the throne of Yahweh, uh, and we see that in Ezekiel ten eighteen. Um, this is you, and again I pointed this out earlier. There's similar descriptions to the seraphim, uh, and because you'll see them singing as well as what we did with this with the seraphim, um, but but these are. Um, I'm going to call them the elite commandos. Uh, that's probably a horrible way of expressing it, but I guess you know, bringing it, breaking it down into modern day uh, parallels or vernacular, you know, hopefully you get the gist of what I'm saying. So this kind of leads me to where I'd like to go. Um, you know, when when, when I'm ta- I want to talk about. Let me first mention Revelation four six through eight, and I think many people, if you're listening. If you're familiar with the book of Revelation, you should be familiar with this. And it says, In the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was that of a lion, the second living creature like that of a calf, the third had the face like a man, and the fourth like a flying eagle. So let me stop there. So we have four living creatures, lion, calf, man, eagle. And they sing, and it goes on to say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So that's some of the parallels that you'll see with the seraphim. Now, jump to the right, if, if you're following me, Ezekiel 1, 5 through 10. Also, from, uh, from within, it came the likeness of four living creatures. And, and this was first their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces, just like the ones we see in Revelation. Each one had four wings. Their legs were straight. The soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides, and each had four faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but they went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, they had the face of a man, and each Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, and the face of an eagle. Um, I I will say that in Ezekiel, he's seeing the four sides. In Revelation, John's vision, he only sees the one face. He recognizes that they have four, but he's only shown one. But you see the parallels to the cherubim in Ezekiel appear to be the same or very similar, well, I'm going to say they are the same, uh, as what is in Revelation 4. If you jump down to Ezekiel 10, 14 through 17, each one had four faces. The first was that of a cherub. The second face, the face of a man. The third, the face of a lion. The fourth, the face of an eagle. Again, that repetition of those same imageries or those same animals. And the cherubim were lifted up. This was the living creature I saw by the river Shebar. 
When the cherubim went, the wheels went beside them, and when the cherubim lifted their wings to the mount up from the earth, the same wheels also did not turn from beside them. When the cherubim stood still, the wheels stood still, and the one that was lifted up, the other itself lifted up, for the spirit of the living creature was in them. So notice that you've got these these four animals, or including man, that, that were listed, but if we, if you look at Ezekiel, the difference there is an ox instead of a calf. Now, I, I will say that at first I, I viewed that as being the same, but if you look in Scripture, they're very different. And each time you see an ox and a calf together, they're described differently. So they they are not the same. So we have five that are listed: lion, calf, man, eagle, and ox. <clears throat> now to the right. Ezekiel 28:11 through 15. This is where Satan comes in. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord. Now, this is the Lord speaking through, through uh, Isaiah about Lucifer eventually being called Satan. It says, You were the seal of perfection, <clears throat> full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden the garden of God. So right there, he's laying this out. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. So here you have this majestic cherubim, if you will. I don't see anywhere else in scripture where anybody's described or giving this this, this, this degree of, of description, and he's just ordained with ornaments and the, the finest um, uh, um, colors and, and, and gems and jewels. It's just incredible. And it says, you were in the Garden of Eden. So we know this is what he's referring to. Here's the important point. It next says, you were the anointed cherub who covers. Anointed means is is the same as a Christ. And I don't mean the same as Jesus Christ. I mean the same as the anointed. You know, uh, who when Jesus says, who who do you say I am? You are the Christ. You are the anointed. And, and Jesus said, yes, revealed by the Holy Spirit. He was the anointed cherub. He was what I what I think is very, very clear here is he was. The, the chief cherub, he was the anointed one. He was the one that stood above the rest. So if you look at these classifications of, of angels, you have the angels and the celestial beings and, 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 and uh, the archangel Michael and, and, the, uh, and the seraphim, and, and there are others. We're not going to go into the, all of the details. But then you have the cherub, and, and the cherubim uh, have, a, a, have a very specific roles, and they always come with the presence of God. But what happens is, if you go now to Revelation 4, 6 through 8, again, if you're looking with me on video, I'm going back to the left. I'm going to read that top line. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures. So the four living creatures, they, these four anointed cherub, not anointed, but called upon cherub, cherubim, I should say, they, they were around the throne. And I'm going to give you a, a multidimensional look and view of what that, that, that would look like in a minute. But I think what we're going to find out is how different it was 
in Lucifer's position. It says again, now I'm going to flip back to the right, Ezekiel 28. You were the anointed cherub who covers. What does that mean? Well, if you've got the four living creatures surrounding the throne, and yet we know that there's five living creatures, or was five, and this one covers. So I'm looking at this as this, he is the one who hovers over uh, above the throne room. Kind of, um, I, I'm not even going to explain it that way. It'll, it won't do it justice. Uh, sorry about that. Um, it goes on to say, I just want to finish this. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. So till sin was found in you too, till pride came upon you. But you were the anointed cherub. You were what I would, if I'm looking at this and I'm viewing this now, I'm, I'm looking at it as Lucifer would have been the chief angel in uh, overseeing or at least in terms of the categories of all of the different angels of heaven as revealed in Scripture. Perhaps there's more that, you know, is not revealed in Scripture or, or you know, something I, I missed, but that, that's the way I would interpret it, and I think that's a very fair assumption. So let me go back to, and, and I'm showing you now a throne. Uh, again, in the midst of the throne, around the throne were the four living creatures. So those four living creatures were in the presence of God, front, left side, right side, rear. Going back to Ezekiel 28:11, you were the anointed cherub who covers. So if you're following me on video, I'm showing you, this would have been the anointed cherub that covers over the throne room. So Lucifer's position was over the throne room. So here you see he's got this lofty position. He's got all of these ordained pipes and ornaments and jewels, and, and, he's, given, and he's given the earth, and he's given the creation of God, and he's reveling in the creation, and his position is to, over, to, to posture himself over the throne room of Jehovah, over the throne room of Yahweh, over the throne room in the presence of Jesus, of Holy Spirit. So he has a very lofty position, I'm going to call it. Um, and, and you know, then, you know, we broke down to, I will ascend above the clouds and I will make myself like the most high, where the pride came into him. But if you just stop for a second and go, okay, perhaps... I'm starting to understand, justify, but starting to understand the uh, the picture, you know, if you will, of what may have been going. Well, I, what I believe was going on. I, I, I think it's clear. I think that the scriptures are very clear that this was Satan's position and that he was an anointed cherub with four others that were different. They were more like the four, the, the living creatures. They were different from the other ones that were described earlier in the Bible. So where does that lead us? Well, that leads us to darkness because Satan has fallen. Uh, so now I'm going back to Genesis 1-2. Now the earth was unformed and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. So here God's dealing with Satan who sinned and, and, and taking with him uh, a, you know, a, a conglomeration of, of, of other angels and celestial beings. Jude 6, 
and the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness. So the earth was unformed and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And Jude is saying here that uh, the angels who did not keep their proper domain, ones who went with Satan, they are in utter darkness or otherwise known as Tartarus. It's the, it's the Greek word in the new uh, translation. Just think of that as a different level of hell. Um, you know, I, I've broken this down. If you want to go back to where was Jesus for the three days between crucifixion and resurrection, I broke all of that down as, as far as Sheol and, and Hades and, um, and Tartarus and, and uh, the, the Gehenna, the lake of fire. Um, but let's just call it for now a, a different level of, of hell postured or position for them. Second Peter 3, 4 through 7. I think this is so important. And this is, I, 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 I admit, I, I misunderstood this for many years. And, um, but thankfully, as time goes by, you know, I catch up. Uh, it says, where is Second Peter 3, verses 4 through 7? Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. What was the beginning? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. For this they willfully forget, this is important now, and I've got these things highlighted, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water. So he's describing here what was the earth standing out of water and in the water. This is not Noah's flood. This is a universal flood that caused the darkness, that caused eventually for the Spirit of God to hover over the waters, by which the world that then existed perished and being flooded with water. So, you know, clearly you have it, then it goes on, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved, so that's that's not after Noah's flood, by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So here, again, I, I mentioned this in a previous broadcast, an incredibly a cataclysmic event that caused a mass universal flood. I'm going to be breaking this down in future broadcasts, what exactly happened, what some of the things that we can see, some of the signs today that we can see as evidence of that. Um, but, But this is what Peter is referring to. This is not, you don't see any mention of, of the ark or, 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 or anything like that. This is not Noah's flood. This is the flood the 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 creation of 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 hell ultimately, and I'll I'll show you this in a second. Second Peter uh, four for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Okay, so again darkness. Now Matthew twenty five forty one top right. Then he will also say to those on the left. This is Jesus speaking. Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So this, the hell is not prepared for man. Hell has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Yet, unfortunately, uh, man, man will be, you know, those who deny Christ, that, that's, that's where they will be present. So I close again with Isaiah 14, 12 through 5. Uh, where it says right at the bottom in the highlight there, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. 
So, you know, this is the darkness. This is the universal flood. This is before the time of Adam. This is before the creation. So we're seeing the the things of, of how God created the heavens and the earth. The Garden of Eden was there. Satan was in that as Lucifer, as the anointed cherub. And, and, and we've called all, you know, we've shown you all, all, all of these things. But now this is what, what happened. Which ultimately leads us kind of back to the beginning, but with more questions that I want to get into. So this, if you're following me on video again, this is the same slide as what I was near the beginning. Except now you have, let in Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light and there was light, which ultimately led to the creation of, of, of mankind of Adam and Eve and the population and the people where we are today. However, you know, there's still the question mark, what about the age of the earth? Because, you know, people are interested. And you want to know your past. And, I, you know, I, I, I say this sometimes as, you know, it's kind of like an Ancestry.com, similar to what you see in, in, in Genesis 10, I think it is, um, uh, you know, where you have the history of the nations. Um, but you have the age of the earth, and this kind of opens up more questions to what about the dinosaurs? What about the demons, the Nephilim, the Ice Age, the location of hell? So these are all things that I'm going to break down further uh, in, in upcoming broadcasts because there's an abundance of signs that we can see as to what exactly happened, not only in Scripture, but now we can start to look at things physically. We can look at archaeology. We can look at... Um, discoveries that we can verify, scientific discoveries outside of the Bible that we can verify these things. So that's kind of, you know, where we're at. So hopefully this gives you a good understanding that um, the the heavens and the earth were created before Adam and Eve. There was this timeline that we don't know the exact time from when it was created to when sin came about with the fall of Lucifer, which then led to the fall of man. And then ultimately into, uh, you know, the church age of what we see today. But we're going to be breaking that further and further down as we go along. Uh, so on that note, I hope you found this uh, worthwhile. I'm, I'm certainly, you know, glad that you came aboard. And, and I just want to thank you. I, you know, this is, to me, this is exciting stuff. Exciting to know where our past is, what caused some of the things and some of the things that we're up against. Uh, but ultimately, we have the victory. We have been given this, the assurance, the life, the joy, the beauty, uh, and and the, the the peace, knowing that you know we will live with Jesus for all of eternity. Uh, for those who do not know or do not believe, uh, please continue to seek the Lord. Ask Him if you're real. Show Him. Show. Let Him show Himself to you. I promise. It says the Word says that I knock on the door of your heart, and and ultimately everybody wants to know: Is God real? Am I here for, you know, a reason? Did God put me here? And I promise you, he will answer that. If you have any additional questions or comments, email me. If you have a prayer request, email me, russicoutlook at gmail.com. Happy to do so. Um, or, you know, if you have other questions, look for a good Bible church in your area. Look for other Christians that they may have some answers who are willing to take some time and spend some time with you. And open up the Bible, you know, uh, <laughs> Uh, once you get to know the Lord, you, you, you're never going to look back, I promise. So again, I want to thank you. It's been wonderful. You've been listening to the Rustic Outlook. My name is Mark Rusick, And remember, as always, just my opinion. <laughs>